Have you ever questioned if your PMS symptoms are normal? Well, normal is a subjective term. There is a diagnosis called PMDD, premenstrual dysmorphic disorder, which is a severe form of PMS. It's real and it's here, and that's what we're talking about today. So stay tuned. Welcome to Health by Heather Hirsch, a podcast dedicated to uncovering many of the women's health issues many of us are wondering about, but few of us are talking about. My mission is to expose the current gaps in knowledge and care on all things women's health. Enjoy. Hey guys, I'm so glad you've tuned in for today's episode. We are going to talk all about PMDD. So it's going to be so much fun. What is more fun than fluctuating female hormones? I don't know. In fact, of course, I've made a career out of this. I actually do think it is so interesting. Before I get started, I really want to thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for going on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts and subscribing. I want to read you the most recent review I got from one of my former patients. Here it is. Helga writes, full disclosure, I was lucky to have had Dr. Hirsch as my physician and health coach. I miss her. I miss you too. Although I no longer see her at my annual appointments, I'm still able to soak up her health education information by listening to her podcasts. Guys, I really appreciate you taking the time to write a review or to give this podcast a few stars because overall that helps more women see this podcast, possibly tune in and learn a ton of information from me, which I do because it is my mission to expose the gaps in women's healthcare, of which I think there are many. Make sure you subscribe to get my podcast in your inbox or wherever you get your notifications whenever it comes out. Also, I have launched my very first course called The Menopause Course. It is six hours of deep education on all things menopause. So my podcasts are a great source of information. And if you want to take it a step further and you want to get customized downloadables, you want to start tracking and journaling, I'm going to teach you all how that goes in my course. You can get there via my website, heatherhirschmd.com under courses. All right, now we get to the juice of why you're all here, which is to talk about PMDD. So I want to start with a story of a patient I had who had PMDD. She was working in a typical nine to five job, and she came to my office to tell me she was having what she self-identified as hormonal fluctuations in mood and major, major hormonal fluctuations. Every week before her period, she would get so frustrated and angry and hostile that she was actually at risk for losing her job. She tracked this and she noticed it was always right before her period that her hostility became almost out of her control. She was not taking any medications at the time and did carry a prior diagnosis of depression. Now, There is no great way to diagnose PMDD. And again, PMDD is premenstrual dysmorphic disorder. It is a severe form of PMS. Now, essentially, the Cliff's notes to decide if you think you have PMS 
is if these symptoms are affecting your life in real ways, meaning they're affecting the quality of your life so much that like my patient, your job is at stake or relationships are really at stake and you feel completely out of control or at a severe loss controlling your mood and symptoms around the times of your periods. There is typically and almost diagnostically some kind of cyclic cycle of moods that goes along with your periods. PMDD has a prevalence of about one in 20 women. However, that might be a underestimate. And like my patient who carried a prior diagnosis of depression, it is hard to say if they are linked or if her depression was actually inappropriately labeled depression and was more accurately described as PMDD. So I'm not here to split hairs about that. You can see why there might be an underreporting of this if clinicians do not identify PMDD and diagnose it because it's a clinical diagnosis. So without a specific blood test that tells you, aha, you have PMDD, it needs to be diagnosed clinically by your doctor, by listening to you. One thing I want to say right off the bat is if you think that you have PMDD, I want you to start journaling. I think that journaling is by far one of the things that can have the biggest impact in your health and also help you communicate with your provider, your physician. So I want you to start getting a handwritten notebook. If you really like doing it on your phone, that's fine too. But I almost suggest you go to the store, buy a brand new calendar, color code it, do whatever you have to do so that you can kind of start to see how your mood changes with your cycle and if there is some kind of pattern to it. So I already said, go ahead and start journaling. Now, let me tell you a little bit about the physiology or the hormone science about your periods. Now for women, our estrogen fluctuates and goes up and down every single month. So if you could picture, I'm drawing a graph for you, your estrogen level starts at say somewhere around 100 and steadily goes up to about anywhere between three to four to 500. That is when you ovulate, when you have the highest level of estrogen, which is your mid cycle. And then for the next 14 days, your estrogen goes back down and then you shed your lining and you have a period if you don't have a pregnancy. Now your progesterone does the opposite. Your progesterone is usually higher in the beginning of your cycle and then comes down at the middle and then goes back up. So they mirror each other. Now, progesterone levels, some people get very interested and excited about them. I actually just go by estrogen level. I saw a study once that women are the smartest when they are at mid-cycle, when your estrogen level is the highest. And in fact, the study showed that women who took their SATs when they were at mid-cycle tended to score higher. Now, I am not going to stand behind this statistic or this study. I'm not sure if it's true, but I've always thought about it because I can't help but think that there might be some real truth to that. So if any of you know that study or you feel like looking it up, send me a comment if you can find it. But typically what we see, and remember, this is typical. You might be the 1% who is opposite, but 
typically we see when women's level goes the highest, they're usually the happiest, perhaps the most productive, perhaps the most energetic. And that's actually the time when, if you're tracking, you might notice that you really have a high productivity overall sense of happiness. Now, the 14 days before leading up to someone's period, moods can start to go down as that estrogen level drops. Things can start happening to women that affect our moods. For example, fatigue, for example, bloating, acne, anxiety, and depression. Those can all spike during the last part of the cycle, the last 14 days before you have your period. And I just said PMDD is when this is really severe. Most women find that the 14 days leading up to ovulation or right after their period are typically pretty normal or pretty balanced overall. They might notice that they are somewhat productive, that they are decently happy, and that they're overall pretty stable. But this can vary from individual to individual, so that's why I really can't recommend enough starting to journal. It is going to make the job of your physician so much easier when you can show him or her a couple of months of what's been going on with you, and they will start to be able to see that cyclic pattern just like you do. I also want you to know that if you are on a continuous and combined estrogen, progesterone, birth control pill, if you are taking the Depo-Provera shot every three months, if you have also a NuvaRing, you have the birth control patch, or you have a Implanon, you are not going to have the same fluctuations in hormones every month. And that is because your hormone fluctuation is pretty much being, being blocked by the medication that you are taking to prevent pregnancy. That's why you don't ovulate, you can't get pregnant, and therefore you really don't have that same increase, steadily increase in your estrogen level until mid-cycle, and then it decreases. If you have an intrauterine device, it doesn't matter which one, you ovulate with all of those intrauterine devices. So if you think you have PMS or PMDD and you do have an IUD or you're not on other types of birth control, this method of tracking is particularly helpful. Now, to carry the diagnosis, you need to have at least seven to 10 days before your period, five of the following symptoms. Go ahead and take some notes. Mood swings, anger or hostility irritability, tension, decreased interest in usual activities, fatigue, change in your appetite, sleeping problems, or physical problems such as bloating. So the key is those are still fairly vague. And I really want you to keep in mind, does it affect my quality of life in a way that is interfering with the very important relationships I need to sustain in order to be a successful human. I think that knowing your cycle, knowing your body, and hopefully acquiring this correct diagnosis is really important because it can increase your risk for other types of conditions that affect your mood when you have a big change in hormone levels. For example, postpartum. Now this can actually go either way. Perhaps you had postpartum depression. Now postpartum depression physiologically is a massive 
decline in your estrogen levels, somewhere up in the thousands, kind of back down to your normal level. And if you're breastfeeding, those can stay very low for a sustained period of time while you are breastfeeding. In fact, breastfeeding is a state of low estrogen. So if you feel particularly happy mid-cycle when your estrogen level spikes, you might also notice that during low estrogen states, for example, postpartum or while breastfeeding, you don't feel as motivated, excited, or energetic as you previously did. So periods of postpartum depression I believe can put you at increased risk for having PMDD and or the opposite. So PMDD can actually occur at any time. You can get this diagnosis whether in your 20s, 30s, or 40s. However, your hormone access, the message that your brain sends all the way down to your ovaries to release your female sex hormones does take definitely some years to mature. So in your early or late teens, and maybe even to your early 20s, your hormonal axis might be still maturing. So I would probably wait until you're at least in your mid-20s and 30s and have a really strong history of this type of cyclic pattern to carry or to make this diagnosis. Now, PMDD, I believe, can also put you at an increased risk for having more mood symptoms during the menopause transition and into menopause, both of which are also low estrogen states. Now, actually, some of my patients find this out in the reverse. So if I'm seeing somebody for menopausal symptoms, and perhaps the biggest and most challenging and frustrating symptom to her is her low mood, she might think back about her her 30s and 40s and start to really remember a really strong pattern of low moods right before her periods, which may have meant she carried PMDD, who was just not diagnosed, or perhaps recall bias is playing a role. But again, it is really interesting that for many women, if they have a low estrogen state, when they have those in other periods or transitions transitions in their life, they experience some of the same symptoms, and that degree of severity can wax and wane, but it is not uncommon to see that type of predictable health behavior. Okay. So let's say you are ready to go make a visit with your doctor to discuss what you think might be PMDD. Now, this is actually a cross-disciplinary diagnosis, so it might take more than one doctor, more than one doctor's visit. You can definitely start with either your internal medicine or family medicine doctor. You could also start with your OBGYN, and sometimes women also have the assistance or help of a psychologist or psychiatrist who can all sort to weigh in from a team perspective on if you have PMDD. And it's also really a matter of your personal success. In fact, my first patient that I told you the story about after I diagnosed her with PMDD, I did send a letter to her employee, which helped her to stay at her job. It did provide some type of context for her behavior. And while it doesn't mean that she has absolutely no accountability, it does at least give her a little bit of room and it brings to the table some type of understanding of some of the problems and issues that women genetically can bring to the workplace and or to their family. Although I can't really write a letter 
to a spouse or a partner, but it really does help to shed light on what is going on and also helps the patient really focus and hone in. So for example, my patient that week, she worked from home and that worked really, really well and that saved her job and it was just wonderful for her. And that was one of the things that we did and it really significantly improved her quality of life and as well as her job security. All right, so you're going into your doctor's office and you ideally have your journal. Now, how far back you can go is really just dependent on when you start and when you can get in to see your doctor. The more information, the better. So go out and get that journal. Do not wait. I would definitely recommend that your doctor does check a couple of things because this is what we call a diagnosis of exclusion. We want to rule out anything else major that it could be and not miss one of those. So this could, for example, be a thyroid issue. You could have hypo or hyperthyroidism, both of which can give you similar types of symptoms. And so I would recommend your doctor checking a TSH level. Another thing I would check is a vitamin D. So vitamin D is all over the news, and I think it is a really great supplement to take. It's one of the ones that I always recommend universally. And your serum or your blood level of vitamin D should be somewhere around or above 30. Now, isn't this cool to learn that vitamin D is actually not a vitamin, it's a pro-sterile hormone, and women are really sensitive to the levels of vitamin D. So I had another patient, when we got her levels up to in the mid-40s, she felt fantastic. It helped her mood so much that all she really needed to do was to keep tracking, work around that week with some cognitive behavioral therapy or some sort of the coping mechanisms and keep her vitamin D levels good by taking her supplement. I would also recommend checking an FSH or a follicle stimulating hormone level and an estradiol level just to make sure that this is not perimenopause or early menopause. Now, if it was menopause, you wouldn't be having any periods, but those are just kind of a standard test that I might recommend getting checked as well as checking for chronic diseases or the development of chronic diseases that can cause some similar types of symptoms. So for that, I would check an A1C level, and that is a pre-diabetes diabetes level. Um, I would also check a CBC and a CAM8, as well as a magnesium level. Now your doctor might say they agree with me and check those, and they might say that they don't, and that's okay. I am not the holy grail. There's always more than one way to do this, and if I can't see you in the office, I just give you that information and ask them why or why not they should check those lab values. Now, sometimes my patients actually secretly kind of hope that maybe their thyroid is off or that maybe this is another condition that is really more easily defined, but if the levels do come back relatively normal without any major issues and you've been journaling and we see that cyclic pattern and we see that cyclic type of behavior that is affecting your quality of life and you had that list of things that you need to have five of, then you carry the diagnosis of PMDD. So what happens next? What are your treatment options? Let's get into it. So first, I want to start with making lifestyle changes because so many of these things can really be cured or 
or, or improved with just merely changes in your lifestyle. And it starts with all knowing when you're going to have that period of extreme irritability, anger, hostility. So like I mentioned, my patient in this story actually worked from home that week. And while that is just one option, knowing when you're going to have a week where your mood is going to be very labile and you are going to be the most irritated, it is helpful to work with your employer or your family to figure out how best to work around that. And that's simple. You can do that without the use of medications. I would definitely encourage you to try some cognitive behavioral therapy with a psychologist or a psychiatrist. And cognitive behavioral therapy is essentially learning how to cope with your symptoms the best and learning your own mechanisms that are going to reduce your stress, anger, and hostility so that you can function the best and try your very best to have a stable mood throughout your entire cycle. So journaling and knowing when you're going to have that period of anger, hostility, irritability is really, really important. On top of that, there are some other things that you can do. There is a ton of evidence on how important exercise is in reducing irritability, anger, and other types of mood issues. So exercise is a fantastic outlet. Now, if you're an exerciser and you've already been incorporating that, this might mean that during the week where you are much more irritable, you may actually kick it up a notch. It's a great way to encourage yourself or motivate yourself to perhaps run that race or that triathlon or go for that CrossFit competition. Really use that week where maybe you need a little bit more exercise to get out some of your other frustrations. I would also recommend adding in some meditation. Now, if you've been listening to my podcasts for a while, you probably can see my progression of actually doing a meditation exercise in one of my earlier podcasts to really incorporating this into my daily life. And meditating is such a mystery to me, but it has definitely improved my life, and by no means am I an expert. But I do take five to 10 minutes out of my day in the morning trying to clear my mind. And even if I don't feel like I've succeeded, I can tell the days that I meditate, and there's air quotes if you can't, since you can't see me, And I really want you to try incorporating this into your lifestyle if you get diagnosed or think that you have PMDD. Eating healthy is an absolute must. There is lots of data as well, really demonstrating the impact that our food choices have on our mood. Now, while I'm not an expert nutritionist or dietitian, I generally am going to always say avoid processed foods, particularly during this week. In fact, cooking can really be therapeutic and meditative, and you might want to prepare your own foods. While you are journaling, note which foods make you feel better, because I don't think that it's the same for everyone. For example, you might find that going dairy-free or meat-free or gluten-free for that week, which is particularly bothersome to you works, or you might find the exact opposite. No one is the same. So eating healthy is definitely avoiding fast foods and processed foods, which can add to, you know, the acne or the bloating or the weight retention, which is 
which is further fueling irritability and anger. So you really can't not pay attention to your diet during that that challenging week, that challenging time, and learn what is best for you. Make sure you're also getting really sound sleep. You want to get at least seven to nine hours. In fact, I would definitely even urge you to be on the eight to nine hour side of really sound sleep. If you don't sleep, your tipping point, your threshold for being irritable or angry is going to be much lower if you have not had good sleep. So focus, focus on sleeping. A lot of my patients also love light therapy. So light therapy is a great way to just naturally boost your mood. You can get a a sad lamp on Amazon, and there's plenty of them out there. You want to get one that's about $100, give or take, because that's going to have the right voltage, and it's really, really going to help boost your mood. Now, put it in front of you a few inches away from your face, not so much that it's blinding you. You want to have it shown on your face about 30 minutes a day. Sometimes if you can do it more, you can do it more. You can also have the light on your face from your sad lamp when you're on your computer or doing your makeup or reading in the morning, whatever is your daily routine. A lot of my patients find significant improvement with a sad lamp. Now, the word sad sounds really, well, sad, but it stands for seasonal affective disorder. And I think that even if you don't have seasonal affective disorder, this boost in mood, the way the brain and the the receptors in your eyes receive that light has been shown to increase moods in, in, in us, and it definitely can't hurt. Some of my patients also love acupuncture or other types of movement, such as Pilates or gentle yoga during this time. If exercising activates you too much, so again, do what's best for you. All right, now let's get into what are some of the medical options that you can leverage to improve your quality of life if you need to. Now again, not one size fits all, and not everyone wants to take a medication or wants to accept the risks And I really want to impress upon you my last final thought that is not a failure if you need a medication. One thing that some of my patients try if they don't want to use a daily medication is a estrogen patch the week before their period. Now, they can either use estrogen in a birth control or they could use estrogen in a postmenopausal patch and it's worth trying them to see which dose you need. Overall, the postmenopausal dose of estrogen is going to be lower, but sometimes it's just enough to give that estrogen level a boost so that you don't feel so down and low during the week before your period. These types of medications are always a little bit of a trial and error, and so you're really going to want to try this for about three cycles and then go back to your doctor to see if this improved your symptoms. Now, if that doesn't, another option that works really well is going on combined birth control, either pills or the ring or the patch. Now, essentially what these options all do is stop you from ovulating and give you a little bit of estrogen every single day, and it's matched with progesterone, which is in all of these options. And therefore, instead of having what I described earlier as sort of a slow uptick in your estrogen till it gets to a peak, and then a downward of that estrogen till it goes low again, you have a steady state of estrogen the entire month. It works even better if you skip the 
placebo pills. And after you get to the end of your pack of pills or when your NuvaRing is up, instead of having a week off, you just go right to the next one so that you almost have no break. That way you won't have a flare in your symptoms. Now, if you have or if you choose an intrauterine device, this will not help if you have PMDD because your own hormones are still going to be fluctuating every single month. So if you have an IUD and you think you have PMDD, try all of the non-hormonal options. Then I would consider trying you on the weekly patch. And then if that really didn't work, you could go on birth control pills and you could try a very low dose and you could either keep your IUD in or take it out. It's really up to you. Again, the goal of getting this diagnosis is treating it most appropriately and also really helping you align your goals with what is going to make you feel the best as many days out of the month as humanly possible. All right, and just to wrap it up, some of my patients do need or require or feel better if they do use an anti-anxiety medication during either the whole month or just the week before their period. So yes, you can do this in one of two ways. Now, for anti-anxiety medications in general, I most always recommend a non-benzo or non-benzo-like substance. You do not want anything that is a controlled substance. So for anxiety, the main class is going to be a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor or a selective serotonin norepinephrine reuptake inhibitor, also known as SSRIs and SNRIs. And you can either take this every single day to level out your moods, or some of my patients take a low dose just the week of their period. In fact, I mentioned my patient who worked from home. She also used an estrogen patch during that week, and she also took five days of a low-dose anti-anxiety medication. So over a little bit of trial and error, we found the best solution for her, and now she's living her best life. So I know that you can too. That is the goal, and that is always my goal. I do think that PMDD is a big gap in women's healthcare, in recognizing it, in diagnosing it, and treating it appropriately. So I really hope this podcast was really helpful, shed light on something that you either think you have, you were just interested in, or you think you might have a friend or family member who is going through this, or perhaps you think you went through this years ago. If you think you did, then I welcome you to investigate it further by journaling your symptoms or reaching out to that person and letting them listen to this podcast or giving them your version of the cliff notes. So thank you guys so much for listening in to my podcast. It is so wonderful to hear the amazing feedback I get from you guys and as well as I love putting topics up for you to vote on on Instagram for me to do the next week. If you don't already follow me on Instagram, I'm at hormone.health.doc. And I also have a menopause focused group on Facebook called Menopause Miracles, which you are welcome to join. My website is heatherhirschmd.com where you can view and listen to my podcast as well as some of my other blog posts and check out the trailer for my course, The Menopause Course, everything you ever wanted to know your doctor never told you. All right, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Have a wonderful rest of your day or evening. Bye.